Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 311 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Nancy Davis. Nancy lives in Springfield, Illinois, where she is a registered nurse who is currently working in a non-nursing management position. Welcome, Nancy. Thanks, Jen. I'm so excited to be here. I sort of feel like I know you, even though... I don't, but I've listened to every (laughs) single podcast that you've produced, so I kind of feel like I know you. Well, you know, the thing is, is that you do, because I am exactly who I sound like. Chad sometimes wishes I was less of an open book. Can I just tell you? My husband would probably say the same thing, Jen. Well, we went out to dinner with um, a guest that actually her episode comes out tomorrow, Shauna and her husband, a couple weeks ago, and they like know everything about Chad, and I'm like, okay, don't. 
don't take the, it wrong, the fact that people know everything about you, Chad. <laughs> I can't help it. I just have to talk about my life. Well, anyway, it's really great to, to meet you in person today. And you know I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Okay. I actually thought a lot about this because I know that's always the first thing that you ask. And the short answer is I started on June 10th of 2020. And I would say that I accidentally stumbled upon it. I had seen the words intermittent fasting mentioned on some Weight Watchers uh, Facebook pages and ah. a couple of groups I was following. And at the time, I was doing Weight Watchers. And despite having success with that in the past, a long past, <laughs> I was stuck. So I was kind of looking for something else and thought, what the heck, you know, give this a try, you know, at... at uh, at 62 or 63 or whatever I was, it's like, okay, time's running out here. You need to find something that's going to work. So that's, you know, the, and that's the thing. You said you had tried Weight Watchers before and it worked before, but it wasn't working this time. What I hear from people who have been longtime Weight Watchers members is you know, they keep changing the program. And so like along the way, maybe one that really clicked with you 20 years ago, that's no longer what it's like. And it's, it's hard to, to get back to, to what was really working. Right. And I think that is really kind of what happened to me because whatever year it was, I was just rolling along and doing great. And then all of a sudden they changed the plan at the end of December and the plan that they rolled out, I was following it, but it wasn't working. So it was very frustrating to be feeling like I was restricting what I was eating and following this plan because I'm like a rule follower. So if they say eat this, this, or this, that's what I do. And I just wasn't seeing any any progress. They so. changed the rules. <laughs> yes, they did change the rules. <laughs> that would be hard for me, too. Because I'm like, God, the old rules, I really liked those. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's frustrating to feel stuck. Yes, and that's how I was feeling. But once I kind of, I jumped in with both feet because that's how I do everything in my life. It's like either 100% or none. You know, there's not a whole lot in between. Even though I didn't know much about it um, as a health professional, I just started doing some reading. The first book that I ordered was Life in the Fasting Lane. And then shortly thereafter, I, Fast Feast Repeat came out. Right. So that ordered, was right I, when Life in the Fasting yep, Lane came out. Yep, I remember that yep, because yep. we were waiting for Fast Feast Repeat. And I was super nervous because Life in the Fasting Lane was, was already scheduled for publication, as was Fast Feast Repeat. And the way they described Left at Life in the Fasting Lane, it sounded like exactly like what Fast Feast and Repeat was supposed to be. So I was like, their book is coming out first. It's going to be everything and no one will need mine. And then theirs came out. And I remember reading it. And it's, you know, it's very much low carb, high fat, and and you know diff different different recommendations than mine. So I breathed a sigh of relief, and you know so I thought, okay, there is still room for my book to come out. Yeah. Well, I can say the thing that really appealed to me, the little bit that I knew about intermittent fasting, was that I can eat what I want in the eating window. Which obviously, in my nurse brain, I knew that it's that doesn't mean that you eat like a you know. It's a free-for-all. Right. But I also knew about myself that I always had more control before I took the first bite. And that it would be easier for me to delay and then have the permission to eat what I wanted during that time versus you can eat now, but you can only have, you know, 10 almonds or, you know, whatever. That was difficult for me. And I felt like every diet that I'd done in my life, which my dieting started way back about age 14 was when I went on Weight Watchers the first time, that 
you just tell me I can't have it and that's all I want. So I get that. Yeah. 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 I love what you said. I wanted to I wrote it down, I wanted to come back to it. More control before the first bite. That is very much how I feel as well. That is why the delay is so powerful. And that's why a later in the day eating window works for so well for me. If I start early, it's wide open. But I can delay. Like right now, I'm still fasted. It's four in the afternoon. And it's no no problem at all. I'm just going to wait till we're done and then go home and open my window. And it's, it's not, not hard to delay. But once you start eating, it is harder to stop. Right. And that's exactly me. That's exactly me drink the water, drink the coffee. And okay. And I, and I'm not a clock watcher and I, I really feel like I adjusted to the intermittent fasting lifestyle pretty easily. I was never, I, I enjoy eating breakfast, but I always knew that if I had something for breakfast, I was always more hungry than if I hadn't had anything. And so I thought, Hey, I can skip breakfast. This can't, this won't be that hard. Then I'm like, I really don't like having to mess with taking lunch to work. And we had no options at work. There was nothing to eat there. So I thought, you know, I think I can just skip lunch and save myself time and energy and, and just take a snack. And then, so I basically have followed kind of an OMAD routine since the beginning. Okay. Because so you're like a, my lifestyle. a snack to open and then a mm-hmm. meal later. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. really what feels best for me. Although uh, people listening, you know, maybe some people are not a snack first and then a meal person. Some people need to eat the meal first and then have a snack later in their window because that works better for them. But yeah, I'm very much snack than meal. And my snack is a hearty snack. You know, would some people define it as a meal? I don't know. Maybe a small one, but. <laughs> well, I think we have to determine that for ourselves. I think you know? so too. Yeah. I mean, I can have something little at two o'clock. And then be chomping at the bit until dinner time. Or I can have something a little bit more substantial and then have no problem waiting till dinner to eat. So I just kind of have to figure it out on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I think that that's a very good point. And and what it is makes such a difference for me as well and how, how satisfying it is. And I learned a lot when I was wearing a CGM for a month recently that a lot of, you know, whenever I would have a huge spike, the more ultra-processed whatever I ate to open was, the huge spike, that was that was when I ne- always needed more and more and more versus being satisfied till dinner. If what I ate was slow and steady blood sugar, I was much better off. So that, that was an interesting to see that correlation. So let's backtrack a little bit. You said you started your first diet at age 14 with, and it was Weight right. Watchers. Correct. And I think I have to go back even a little further in, in terms of how I ended up to be a yo-yo dieter. I don't think that, that my body was one that was genetically inclined to be obese. I think it was um, a combination of a lot of things. And those of us that have dieted all of our lives, I mean, I know that there's a lot more to my weight issues than just whether, you know, I don't have willpower. I mean, there's a lot of emotions connected. My mother, and bless her heart, loved her dearly, but the woman was on a diet her whole life. She never, rarely ate breakfast, never had lunch. So she was kind of an intermittent faster, actually. You know, she focused on eating one meal a day. But she had a very high value on looking good. And being overweight meant you didn't look good. And so my poor brother, he was, I'm in the, I'm a middle kid. He was ahead of me and he was a chubby little boy. And I think he was actually on diet pills as a child. Wow. Yeah. And 
it was for me. I was I was a very skinny little kid. They even gave me gam, what they call gamma globulin shots when I was like about four or five because I was so tiny. And I didn't really notice an issue with my body until puberty. And then, you know, I can remember just vividly when I was probably about 10 or 11, I had a friend who was three or four years older than me and we rode horses together. And I remember being at her house in the bathroom and seeing her without her clothes on, I'm like, man, her body doesn't look like mine. You know, she was the flat belly, long torso, long legs. And right there, I made this judgment that my body didn't look like that, and it wasn't it wasn't good enough. And so there was a lot of things that came together. In my high school years, my mother and I were kind of at each other's throats, and I think that my own two-cent psychology <laughs> is that I used food as a control issue. Yeah. She couldn't, she could control what time I had to be home or who I was with, but she couldn't control what I ate. And I was raised, I was in high school in the seventies. And so, you know, Twiggy was the role model for everybody. And so all of my friends, we were all on diets and I can remember we had really great lunches because I went to a small high school. We'd all say, we're not eating lunch today. We're not eating lunch today. And then at the last minute, we would all run into the lunchroom and eat. So it was kind of this deprivation, reward, a, a lot of stuff going on. But unfortunately, I started Weight Watchers at 14. I probably weighed 150 pounds. I mean, it was ridiculous. But that started my lifelong yo-yo dieting. And it's my whole life. You know, it's been my whole life. I'm kind of like you, Jen. I've tried pretty much every diet in the book, except HCG or FinFin. I didn't do well, those two. I didn't do FinFin, just the one Fin, because by the time I came around to the Fintermine, they were no longer doing FinFin. But I would have, I'm certain, had I been, you know, dieting at that moment, but I wasn't. But yeah, HCG was, that was, that was not a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> but it was written by a doctor, the plan. Yeah, you know. I know. <laughs> they all and, are, though, when you look right, at them. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, you can find a, a, an expert to back you up. Being yes. in the medical field, I know that, no mm -hmm. matter what it is. It's true. And, but I'm like you, and I've heard uh, or maybe other people say, you know, at the checkout lane at the grocery store, what am I looking for? The magazine that says, lose 30 pounds in three weeks. Or, you know, I was always looking and searching for that magic potion when I knew in my mind there was not, there wasn't, that such thing did not exist. But still, I spent my whole life looking for it. That took me back to standing at the checkout counter. And I remember it was a time I wasn't really very overweight at the time. I was probably in the middle somewhere. And I remember I'm standing there and I'm looking, looking, picked up the, the issue and I'm looking, you know, go straight to the, what page that diet plan's going to be on. And a man in line with me, at, he was an older gentleman in line with me at the checkout counter, saw me looking at that. And he said, you don't need that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, I didn't know what to say, but I certainly felt like I needed it. Whatever they're selling, whatever the diet plan is, I needed that diet plan. And I would flip through it and I would find what the diet plan was. And it was always some new one. And then I would probably right there, you know, go ahead and go to Amazon from my phone and buy the <laughs> the Kindle version so I could start reading that diet right away. Right. Yep. Yep. And what do I have to go to the store and buy? Because I yeah, want to do this. I'm already perfect. at the store in the checkout yeah, line. Yeah, I can yeah. go ahead and get it now. You know, it's always right. like this one simple, like one simple food, lose 30 pounds by next yeah. week. And it's like macadamia nuts. I'm like, well, yeah. I can get those. I'm here yeah. at the store. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Who knew that macadamia nuts were the magical <laughs> answer at 30 pounds by next week? Exactly. Yeah, I get it. 
So, you know, when you said you used food as a control issue, when you were arguing with your mom, did you mean that you would eat more when she couldn't see you or that you would eat less oh, to I try would to control? More. Okay. And I wasn't that's sure. Where, yeah. And closet eating, you know, I think that's where I sort of developed kind of like secret eating, like out of uh, frustration with, uh, you know, in our relationship. And, and you know, there's other stuff going on in the family. Don't get me, my, me wrong. I was, I was raised in a very loving home had everything and I love my mom and dad dearly but my mom even to her dying day had an issue with people that were overweight and she'd had no shame in voicing her opinion about it so of course if I was already feeling bad about being overweight then her comments made me feel worse so well, because she's talking about maybe somebody else but you're taking them personally yeah, exactly. because you feel like exactly. they're about you and maybe you know sometimes we know we do this sometimes we make a comment about something sideways to try to get someone else to hear it. And, you know, I, I know, I know that tactic. So yeah, I understand that a lot. And then you're like, well, she can't see me eating this. I'm just going to eat it. So there. Right, right, right. And I can remember her, she didn't have an ill will towards what she was saying, but, you know, if she said something about, well, you're getting kind of heavy or whatever, my first response was, you don't think I can see that in the mirror? You know, it wasn't helpful at all to me. And w once, once my kids were born, I have two girls and a, a boy, I knew right away one of my goals had to be not to pass this on to my girls. And fortunately, knock on wood, by the grace of God, I'm not giving myself any kudos. They don't have problems with their That's weight. That's fabulous. And they don't feel like that I put that upon them. They did see me, however, being on a lot of diets, but fortunately it didn't seem to have a negative impact, thank goodness. I think the most important thing we can do is to not criticize our bodies all the time in front of the younger generation, because that's what really rubbed off on me. It was my mother criticizing her own body, and she wasn't criticizing other people. She was criticizing herself, and so I always like, like, well, well, my thighs look like her thighs, so mine must be bad too. And and it was that kind of a thing. And also, never tell somebody like like that, like you're getting heavy, right, right, because that and everybody she wanted needed to be happy. You know, yeah. she didn't do it maliciously, but mm -hmm. it didn't help. So it just doesn't help. It. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It it doesn't help. People all the time are asking in the community. They're like, you know, I have a friend. She's struggling with her weight. She's getting ready to try this diet. How do I tell her about intermittent fasting? Should I? You got to be so careful bringing things up. When people are ready, That that's a different story. But exactly. you got to be careful. Sometimes people, they might be offended by that. What are you saying? I'm fat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, right, I'm just right, trying to help right. you, but. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. feel that way. No, especially if they're already feeling that mm -hmm. way about themselves. They don't need anybody else reminding them. Exactly. Because then it just confirms what you're already feeling, the negative feelings you're already having about yourself. Yeah. So after high school, th this this continued, I, I assume you went off to college and... Well, actually, I didn't. I went to college, but I lived at home. Okay. I got married very young. I was 18 years old when I got married. I was in nursing school, though, and I did go on to finish nursing school. But after I got out of nursing school, I just couldn't find my niche in the role of, a, of being a nurse. I, I, went, I started working at a hospital. I didn't really like that. I was questioning whether I even made the right decision in my career choice. And I gained a lot of weight after we got married, probably 30, 40 pounds. Pushed me over the 200 mark for sure. And how tall are you? I'm 5'4". Okay. 
So that was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I decided to go back to school because I didn't know what else to do. And I loved, I loved to learn. I started back to school. And as I started feeling better about myself, then my weight stabilized. And I think, you know, I've lost 50 pounds and 80 pounds so many times in my life. I get confused on the time periods. Once I started finding myself again, then I was better able to get the food back in check and, and you know, the eating back in check because I'm an emotional eater. So I eat when I'm happy, sad, mad, glad, <laughs> and all of the above. Yeah, I'm a happy emotional eater. I eat when I'm celebrating. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people, it's, it's all the emotions. We right, feed the happy right. emotions, and we feed the sad emotions, angry, revenge yes. eating. Yep. That's really yep. a thing. So Yes. Yeah. And I prob- I was never diagnosed with a binge, di- binge eating disorder, mm-hmm. but I do believe that I had it, a mild degree of it. I was never a purger. Right. Um, but I still struggle with that now. I mean, with the wanting it, to binge. Yes. Intermittent fasting has helped me dramatically with that, though. Um, I probably didn't binge one time in the first year that I was That's intermittent That's huge. And, and part is. of that, you had been regularly yes. binging. Yes. So and a year I, without a binge is Right. And huge. I want people to hear that because. Yeah, that's why I'm reiterating that. Yes. Definitely say yes. it again. That it was almost a whole year uh, of intermittent fasting that I never binged at all. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because I felt like I had permission to have what I wanted when I, my eating window was open. And in my mind, that restrictiveness really was a huge part of the disordered relationship I had with food. Well, it was like I've a way had. of rebelling, right? It was. And it again, was. you go back to, you know, what what started this for you, you, you mentioned that eating was a form of rebellion. Yes, and so yes. when you put restrictions around your eating... What is there to do but rebel against that? Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not totally gone still, but I'll tell you one thing. As after being a faster for almost three years, I cannot eat the volume of food that I used to. I, my satiety signals will have me stop much sooner than I ever was able to in the past. That's also so, huge. Oh, absolutely. Because even if, and I can honestly say, even if I have what I would call a binge, it's just basically eating more than I desire to eat in my eating window because I've never not fasted since I started, you know. But still, you know, the damage control is there. And I also emotionally don't have the guilt like, oh, I blew it. Oh, I might as well eat until Monday. That's all gone. And so it's great. Yeah, it is. And, and that's why I just want to shout it from the rooftops because I see as a nurse so many um, chronic illnesses that are re- directly related to what we're eating and our lifestyle. And, you know, I just want to say to people, look, it doesn't have to be this way. It really yeah. doesn't. And well, I know where you're coming from. What you just said that's so huge is, you know, even when you feel like you have what feels like a binge today, very different from the binge of the past because they're still contained in your eating window and it's not as much food as before, it's it's not like like we've all been there where we're like, well, I've ruined it. I might as well just, you know, fill in the blank, drink a bottle of wine, have a pie, go get a pizza, you know, drive through McDonald's, you know, whatever it is. And then you just it, it sets off a cycle of, well, I'll get back on the wagon yes. later. But that's yes. that's gone for you now. It you is just are like, is. well, this window is not what I expected. Tomorrow is a new window. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, like yesterday being Easter, I fasted till I think one o'clock. So 
I don't know, I got 18 hours in or maybe even more because I had stopped eating pretty early on Saturday evening. And I just, there's no, there's no stress around the holiday. It's like, I'll eat what I want to eat when I feel like eating it. But I shut my window at 4.30 yesterday because I don't, I was full and I didn't want any more food and I don't want to go to bed and not sleep well because I'm too full. So that those kinds of things were never there in my life before intermittent fasting. It's just giving you a different level of control and not feeling like you're out of control. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm restricting what I'm eating because I don't want to feel like a piece of crap. Exactly. <laughs> and I think the older I get for sure, it takes less and less food to make me feel bad. So I never knew what satiety signals were. I really didn't. Because I was eating because I wanted to eat, not, you know, not because I was hungry most of the time. I have a friend who told me that. She said she never once ever felt full until after she started intermittent fasting. And like, like she literally never, like she would eat and eat and eat and eat. And I mean, she dieted to try to keep her weight down, but she never, never felt full her entire life. And then intermittent fasting. And then suddenly she, she got the feeling of full. And like, that is so interesting. Cause I mean, I did feel full before intermittent fasting. I would overeat, but I would feel it. I would say that I felt it. But I still didn't have, you know, I feel like I have the shutoff valve now because of intermittent fasting that I didn't have. And I think it has to do with the fact that besides feeling full, I also know what hungry feels like. So I can say, are you really hungry? You just need to drink water. You haven't had your water this morning. And, you know, because when I tell people, they'll say, well, how long do you fast every day? And it's like, oh, I don't know, usually 18 to 20 hours every day. And I'm like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not really that hard. <laughs> People that um, like will interview me that don't really know me or whatever, yeah. they're just like somehow interviewing me. They're like, you do that every day? And, and you still do it after you lost the weight? And I'm like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> They I are know. surprised. Yeah. Right. But I'll say, you know, you're not really hungry for 20 hours. Right. It's just it, your body doesn't stay hungry. You just take some water or drink your coffee. And, and you know, so it's not like, the whole 20 hours you're chomping at the bit to eat. That is so and people, true. people don't understand that because they don't let themselves get hungry because of the, of our lifestyles, you know? Like I guarantee, you know, right now, like I said, it's 425 now and I haven't eaten yet. I've had my black coffee. Now I'm drinking my, my Topo Chico. I had some water in between there. And had I been a person who got up and had eight o'clock breakfast, let's just say, I would have had more hunger stomach rumbles during the day than I have had as an intermittent faster. Right. Oh, I agree. Totally. Yeah. Totally that's agree. the part. You know, it takes a lot more willpower to start eating early in the day and not go crazy with it than it does to wait till later and eat till you're satisfied. That's the part that is so hard for people to understand. 100% agree with that. 100%. And that's why I've tried, I wouldn't call it alternate day fasting because I don't do like the standard 4-3 or 5-2. I've done a number, quite a few actually, like f between 38 and 40 hour fasts. So you've thrown in a down day here and there. Yes. Yeah. And I know that that's the only way I'm ever going to get the last 10 pounds off. <laughs> but I have a real problem with the up day. Okay. Um, I, just, I get it. And I've tried to open with different things to see if it makes a difference. And I just, I just sort of have that feeling of being out of control. And, oh, I, got, I have to eat, but I'm not really hungry. I don't want to have to eat. 
when I'm not hungry. It's it's crazy because that's so silly when when I say it out loud. But it's not though. That is really the thing about alternate daily fasting that is the hardest for people and people who are listening that have never tried it. They think that the down day is going to be the hard day. But it's the up day, especially when you're a seasoned intermittent faster, because you're like, what do you mean I have to start eating at like nine in the morning? I don't want to start eating at nine in the morning. But you need to get that metabolic boost of the up day. So, right. Yeah. Right. That is the hardest part of it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. People and, don't believe know, it till they experience it. Exactly. Exactly. Because they say, how can you go 40 hours, 40 hours without eating? It's like, well, it's not really that hard. You know, you just, the hardest part is the evening. The second night, sometimes I do have trouble sleeping. And I usually try to do it on a day where I have like a day long, you know, an evening event as well as work. So I'm not sitting around watching TV thinking I'm hungry because, you know, by that time I am getting hungry. Um, But then when I get up this next morning, it's just like a regular day. Like I would never be able to tell physically that I hadn't eaten the day before. Yeah, it's not that I love it. I don't really love not eating every day. But it really isn't as hard as people think that it is. Yeah, and, and it I really know is a powerful tool. It is. And it does jumpstart my weight loss. There's no doubt about that. It does. Even one day, one down day a week. Yeah. Because we really, we really do tap into that fat burning when we go go a little longer like that. It just keeps ramping up. And it, it actually, you know, the, the research that I, I, I mentioned in Fast Feast Repeat, they follow people over a 72-hour fast. And through the first part of it, the metabolic rate went up, 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 up. Then eventually it started to go back down again, which is why we don't just fast forever. Right, <laughs> it is going right. to slow our metabolic rate if we don't stop. But, you know, you get the benefit with the with the down day. You get the benefit of the upward part of that curve. And then when it before it would start to go all the way down, it's your up day. And eating, of course, keeps your metabolic rate boosted as well. So, So you said that after you went back to school, you were feeling better about yourself. You were able to keep your food in check and were less emotionally eating. But you still kept struggling for those years. Yeah, I still, because I started having kids. Well, we were married, I think, almost five years before we had any children. And I know that I was pretty overweight with my first one. And then the second one, I lost a lot between there, probably 50 pounds. And so my second pregnancy, my weight was below what I had, had uh, been most of my life. Then the third one, I was overweight when I got pregnant with her. I only gained like seven pounds the pregnancy. Oh, wow. Well, because I had heartburn so bad, I couldn't hardly stand to eat. But, and so when I had her, I was below what I was before I started, but I was still overweight. And so that was, she was born in 86. So all of those years between 86 and and 2020, I was on that constant, got to find a diet. You know, I lived the Atkins lifestyle for about three years, really didn't like it. I lost weight initially on it, but it was really more of a maintenance thing for me. I, I, you know, I got to a certain point and I just couldn't get below it. Didn't feel that fantastic on it either. You know, it wasn't like there was a lot of motivation for me. You know, I did the low fat diet that never worked very well for me. So that's why I kept going back to Weight Watchers because I thought, okay, well, I know this is going to work. This is kind of a sure thing. If I just follow the rules, I will lose weight. And so, you don't have to give up all the carbs or all the fat. Right, you just right, yeah, right. follow the rules, follow whatever their plan is today. Hopefully they don't, they don't change it. <laughs> it wasn't good to leave out certain food groups. Right. I, you know, I just did. It's, it's like, it's not healthy to not have fruit. You know, well, that's not. You know, I feel better when I eat a balanced meal. You know, like our our great-grandmothers told us, eat a balanced meal. I really feel better. If I eat 
low fat, high carb, what I mean, I don't feel as great. If I eat high fat, low carb, I don't feel as great. I need to have a meal that is balanced for my body. I got to have the fat. I got to have the carbs. I need some protein. That's just it. And I think after my third one was born, I can't even remember the years now, I, I got down to my goal. I became a Weight Watchers leader and I was actually a leader for five years. What was that goal? I think it was 125, but I know I got below 120. Like, cause I remember going one time thinking I got to wear jeans because I'm going to be below what they say I'm supposed to be. That was way too thin for me, way too thin for my frame. When I look at the pictures, I look like I had anorexia. But when my life circumstances changed and I wasn't able to do that part-time job anymore, then uh, over time, it just gradually came back, gradually came back until I found myself in the same 170, 180. That was kind of where I hung out most of my adult life, always wanting to be 145. That's where I wanted to be, which was the upper level of normal BMI. (laughs) Haven't got there yet, but that's okay. All right. Well, <laughs> but are you about 10 pounds away? You said I am. I am. So when you found intermittent fasting 2020, what was your weight doing at well, that time? My weight, when I started intermittent fasting, I had lost about 30 pounds again on Weight Watchers right before that. And so then I was stuck. I was, I think I was at 175 when I started intermittent fasting. And right off the bat, probably the first two or three months, I lost 20 pounds pretty Pretty, over the first few months. And then that's I great, just, since I, you had just lost 30. Yes. To yes, lose 20 was. quickly is, is a victory. But then I just stopped. <laughs> and I could not get, break the plateau. I just couldn't, no matter what I did. Well, I shouldn't say that. I didn't try alternate day fasting. I had a really big fear when I started intermittent fasting um, and saw that I was able to do it, was that if I started restricting what I ate in my eating window, then that was going to make me just totally not do it at all. So that's why I didn't, I didn't really tweak it like I could have, or maybe should have until I'd been doing it a lot longer. Well, I think that is really gold right there. And I want to highlight that because it is so important because so many people start intermittent fasting and like like you you lost 20 pounds quickly and then you got a plateau and it's so tempting to like throw the book at it okay i'm going to tweak everything i'm going to do alternate day fasting and i'm going to do whole 30 and i'm going to you know you're going to do everything and i'm going to run marathons and because we're we're used to well i got to do something right and so then it's just way too much and then it backfires and then you crash and burn so you had that very real fear knowing that is not what you should do And your decades of diet history told you that would be a bad idea. Because by that time, when I was thinking I needed to be tweaking it, I already realized the value in intermittent fasting for me, that never in my life had I not had a disordered relationship with food in 63 years. And I felt free. That's huge. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't want to jeopardize that, okay? Would I like to lose 10 more pounds? Yes, I would. But I'm not going to risk it at this point. I'm just not. That is powerful because you knew how different it felt. And you did not want to jeopardize it by trying to do too much. So everybody listening, if you're one of those people that has that urge to do too much and recognize that as not going to be helpful. 
Right. Just, you know. And, you know, as far as getting in touch with my satiety signals and stuff, it took me a long time to get there. And I think I want people to know that for some people, it may happen in the first two or three months. But I probably, it was probably two years before I could I love could that really you're mentioning say, that. Yeah. Ditto you know, for me. Same, same, same. It did not happen first. And I was still resentful of intermittent fasting for probably two years. And I was like resentful that I could not eat breakfast and I was not. It took me a long time to get past that too. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, I just, it, it, and it's just, I guess every diet I ever went on, it was always a sprint. It was always do this, suffer through, then be done with it. And intermittent fasting is the first thing I have ever done that I truly believe that I can do for the rest of my life. It doesn't feel like a diet. It doesn't feel restrictive. I just feel like there's, I have so much more, and maybe this is the key. I have, it's all in my control. This is in my yes. control. It's power. You have the power. It empowers you. And, you know, when I write Fast Feast Repeat, my editor, you know, when she read the first draft, she said the word she used was, and it's a word you used earlier in our conversation today, which I think brought it to my mind. She said, your book is very much a permission book. And, and you know, I, I would not have thought of the word permission, but I, I use the word empowering, right? But it's giving yourself permission. And you, you use that word, you know, twice, just like my editor used it. And so you have permission with intermittent fasting to figure out what works for you. Right. And I, I remember the first holiday that the holidays, the first round of holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas and stuff. And for so many years, I did not bake I did not make candy. I did not make cookies because it's not good for me. You know, this just isn't good for me. I did all that when the kids were little. And where did it get me? You know, it got me to eating all the leftovers that nobody else wanted. And so I remember just loving the holidays that first round. Well, every round, actually, because it's like there is no more forbidden food. If I want to make, you know, the food that's the worst nutritional value in the world for me and eat some of it, I'm going to do that. Yep. And that was wonderful because it really helped, you know, the kids said, wow, you haven't made this for a long time, mom. It's like, yeah, because I was always on a diet. And so it was wonderful. It was truly wonderful. And same with, you know, holidays now, yesterday, there was no stress around my Easter. Yep. That's the best part. And, you know, in the community today, I haven't seen anybody feeling angst over Easter, which is always a good thing because we see sometimes that after the holidays, maybe because Easter is just one day and it's a little different than the Christmas season when people are really like, "Uh oh, I blew it because you know? <laughs> we have a long holiday season. But today, what I've seen in the community is people posting it about how much they loved being able to celebrate yesterday. And today they just are right back following their regular schedule and feeling great. And that that's what I like to see because the beating yourself up after a holiday, we've all done that. Right, right. I'll start after the holiday. Exactly, exactly. And I think the one thing that I did want to have the opportunity to talk a little bit about is health issues and longevity and how they're negatively impacted by what we do to our bodies. Well, please do. We're coming from your nursing background. That's yes. so important. And yes. And realizing how much of this is connected to lifestyle. Yeah, and, and it is. And I knew, because I'm a nurse, that what I was doing to my body was not a good thing. That going up and down on the weight, that was not a good thing. And my dad developed diabetes. He was probably in his 70s. But I am a, I'm a sugar junkie. That's my kryptonite, as somebody, I heard somebody say on, on the podcast, uh, I think last week, actually. And all I 
wanted was to never be diabetic because I'm like, if you tell me I can't have sugar, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to eat myself to death. You know, I'm being facetious, but you know what I mean? I knew all of that. And 2019, which was just a few months before I started intermittent fasting in the fall of 2019, I had a really, a, a big wake up call with my health. At that time I was at about the weight I'm at now. So I was at a reasonable weight but my, my cholesterol was 217, which is above 200, but my primary doctor wasn't that concerned about it. Well, I was having this weird burning in my jaw, Ooh. and it was very intermittent. I mean, like maybe twice a month for 30 seconds. I mean, and had I not been a nurse, I might not have even paid any attention to it, but I kept thinking, oh, that can be... Jaw pain can be an issue with cardiac for women. So oh, I find see, I was like, I've never heard of jaw, like yes, burning in yes, your jaw. Yes. Okay. Well, technically, I'll tell you the rest of the story. Okay. That's what got me to my primary care. I thought, I'm just going to go have this checked out. I just know in my gut, something Something's this doesn't wrong. feel right. And as a nurse over the years, you really learn to listen to your gut. My gut's always right. So I listened to it. So to make a long story short, she, you know, the EKG was normal. She said, let's get you evaluated by a cardiologist. I said, absolutely, that's why, what I want to do. See the cardiologist. The cardiologist says, well, you know, your cholesterol's high. You need to be on a statin. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, lady, I am not taking a statin. It was 219 for crying out loud, you know. I believe in lifestyle changes and stuff, you know, not in taking pills. But anyway, she said, well, I want you to get a stress echo. I said, fine, sign me up. And she listened to my carotids and she said, you know, you've got a pretty loud, what it's called a brewy, B-R-U-I-T. They pronounce it brewy. Okay. In your carotids, you can hear it with a stethoscope. And that usually is a symptom or, a, a, you know, a sign of a, of a blockage there. And I said, oh, I'm not concerned about that. They heard one on my right when, uh, like three or four years ago, and I had carotid Dopplers then and everything was fine. So she says, well, I want you to get a carotid Doppler. I said, fine, no problem. So I pass the echo with flying colors, you know, go in for the carotid and the guy doing the carotid knew I was a nurse. And he said, well, I'm not really supposed to do this, but I want you to see what I'm looking at. And I'm like, well, I know this is good. <laughs> He's wanting to show it to you. Yeah. It's and not so, like, look how clear this is. <laughs> yeah, no. He says, you have a significant blockage oh, in your wow. left carotid. And he said, it's not critical, but it's darn close. Critical's 90% blocked and yours is pretty close to that. Wow. Yes. And so, so that was said, what was related to the jaw pain? Well, abs actually, the cardiac or the thoracic surgeon, because I, I ended up having surgery six days later. I had to have a carotid angiogram first, which wasn't fun. But the, car the thoracic cardi cardiac thoracic surgeon said, well, no, that jaw pain, there would be no relationship to a block carotid. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, it doesn't really matter. It was the hand of God that got, got me you in, in here. Yeah. yeah, got your, it was your guardian yeah. angel sending you yeah. a little something that made you yeah. pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, thank, by God's grace, I had, I had a surgery done and it, it's all repaired, but I don't believe that would have been a problem had I not constantly been overeating. I tried to maintain a sort of healthy level of exercise throughout my life, no matter what size I was. Not vigorous, you know, not like running or anything. But I just, I guess my plea is to any young women out there that might be listening to this, don't wait. Take care of your health. Because I'm on statins now forever. Because I can't take the risk. Right, because you've already had a blockage. Again. Yeah. It was a strange blockage because it was very putty-like and could have broken off any time. It's like, okay, don't even tell me that because... 
that makes it even more dangerous, you know. Over time, what we're doing to our bodies is going to have an impact. And I wish that I had learned all this years and years ago. And it's so much more than just your weight and what your weight oh, yeah. is doing. Oh, like yeah. intermittent fasting is such an important tool for a healthy lifestyle. It's not the only tool. You got to use other tools as well to just keep your body healthy. But it is like the cornerstone that, you know, I, I could never stop just knowing how healthy it is. Like if something happened to my body and it went crazy and I regained every pound I ever lost, I still would keep doing intermittent fasting. Right, right. Because that's and, how strongly I believe in the health benefits. Oh, and I totally believe that too, Jen. I'm yeah. 100% convinced. And my lab values are all perfect. You know, my A1C, I was pre-diabetic as well. That's all fine. The only thing that I haven't been able to get down is my fasting insulin. Oh, okay. I did, I did have that done. Um last fall and it was 11, okay. but I still think it probably was more like 20, you know. Okay. So you don't know people. what it was. I you don't just know, know it's it still was. 11. No, okay. Right. So that's kind of my goal at this point is to try to get off the, you know, the extra 10 pounds, but it's all more about health at this point than it is what the scale says. And that's my goal is to try to get that insulin. And I know that takes good diet, good exercise, you know, and, but that's, that's what I'm working towards. So Well, I think that's a great goal. And having that baseline data is really important. Because again, we don't know what it was before. No, but my doctor wouldn't order it. I ordered it through walk-in labs. You know? Yeah, that's the way to do it. I just am always just astonished when I hear my, that you're a doctor is telling somebody, an, an endocrinologist telling someone that has no value. I'm like, uh, I might find a different endocrinologist, I hate to tell you. Because <laughs> I understand, you know, not, not everyone being up on it. But you would think, an endocrinologist would understand the role of insulin in fat gain and hyperinsulinemia. You think that would be on a ra the radar of someone who had that profession? Well, and it's my primary care, but and she's very much uh, on board with fasting. I mean, she was uh, she's perfectly fine with me doing it. And in fact, I think her sister in law or somebody was also doing it, so she's very familiar with it. But I still couldn't convince her. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm just going to get it ordered myself. <laughs> well, it's easy. Just take it in your own hands. Unless yeah. you live in New York. Sorry, people in New yeah. York. They, yeah. they don't yeah. want you to do that there. Yeah. But yeah, that that's great. I love that. I love that um, your health health has gotten, you know, your values have gotten better. What other non-scale victories have you had? Well, I wrote those down because um, I've had quite a few. Um, let's see. They're my favorite. I mean, I love all the victories. I like the health victories. Okay, the health victories are really my favorite. I, lo I love them all. <laughs> well, number one was the freedom from food prison, yeah. as I say. That was my most important one. The mental clarity is amazing. I mean, the energy. I have a lot of energy, a lot more energy in intermittent fasting. Joint pain is resolved. I mean, I didn't have a ton of it, but my left knee would hurt, and sometimes my right hip, and you know, sometimes my right shoulder. And as long as I'm not eating a lot of sugar, I don't have that. Now, so it causes inflammation. Yeah, over the holidays, I could tell, even though I'd fasted the whole time, I'm like, oh man, my shoulder kind of hurts. And within two weeks, it's all gone. Oh, and I want to just announce, I've said it before on the podcast that I, I think it was related my joint pain that I was having that was new and I was thinking it because it was dairy or whatever. It wasn't dairy. I really think it was the change in drinking water. I, I know I've said that before, but it is completely gone. Yeah. Well, completely gone. And yes, which is, which is really nice. But it just goes to show that we're not supposed to have this kind of pain. And there is something that is not agreeing with your body. And I just had to figure out what it was and think what's different, what's changed. For me, it was whatever's in this weird water down here my body didn't like. 
Well, but thank goodness, Jen, you had the wherewithal to figure it out for yourself because no doctor would have ever told you that. No, I, mean, I went to a chiropractor. That didn't make it better. It didn't make it better at all. And right. Also, right. I felt like he was going to break my neck. I'm sorry, chiropractors out there. But I was like, this feels very wrong. I don't know. <laughs> so I was like, I just can't go back. I'm sure he was a, was a wonderful chiropractor, but it wasn't helping either. And I was like, there's got to be something. What is different? What has changed? And that's the best I could come up with. After fasting, we're so in touch with our bodies that Mm -hmm. I wasn't in touch with. Oh, I ate that. And I realized, unfortunately, Brussels sprouts do not like me. I like them, but they do not like me. That's sad. I know it is. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we... I could have gone to a traditional doctor and gotten like an anti-inflammatory or right. some prescription or shots in no. my shoulder. I don't know. But instead, I just was able to put the pieces together and I got a really good water pitcher and I'm, I'm fine now. I make my coffee with the filtered water and I drink filtered water. And that's Easy. awesome because like I yeah. said, no one else is going to discover that for you. Yep. Improved dental health. I'm ashamed to say I hadn't been to the dentist since before COVID. And the dental hygienist is like, Wow. Because I know when she saw how long it had been since I'd been she's there, like, she's like, oh, no. Oh, this is going to be a long appointment. <laughs> she's like, wow, your teeth are amazing. And I'm like, well, that's intermittent fasting. And I told I think her so. that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Truly enjoying the taste of food. Mm-hmm. When you're not eating all the time, when you finally eat, oh, man, it's awesome. And I wanted to tell you, you turned me on to Daily Harvest as well as Green Chef, and I love them both. I'm so glad. You know, I I don't recommend a lot of things. I say no to a lot of things that want me to recommend them. But I truly love Daily Harvest, and I truly love Green Chef. And you know, yesterday, I opened my window with a Daily Harvest bowl, and then we had a Green Chef meal. I mean, it's just such good food. It's Tim Spector talks about trying to fit in 30 different plants a week right. for gut health. Yes, yes. And completely with Daily Harvest and Green Chef, I don't even have to think about it. Right. And that was kind of one of my goals, my health goals for this year was to try to get in more fruits and vegetables. I wasn't sure my husband would go for the Green Chef because he's kind of a meat and potatoes kind of guy. I wouldn't order some of them because I know he's like, what is this? I'm not going to eat it. But well, like I, last night we had a chickpea and sweet potato yeah, roll yeah. up with, yeah, with slaw. Yeah, he wouldn't with, eat that. Yeah. Wouldn't <laughs> that was not going to be on your order list. No, no. <laughs> but he's been really uh, gracious. And it, all in all, you know, there's really hasn't been one that I probably wouldn't order again. And they have very traditional things. Like yes, they have yeah. like a burger with... Yeah. You know, mushrooms and Swiss and sweet potato fries or something. That's, right. Who wouldn't eat that? It's just, yeah. And the Daily Harvest, he will drink the smoothies with me, but he hasn't ventured into eating anything else in the freezer from there. He <laughs> well, I don't want you to touch my bowls because those are mine. <laughs> but we, he, we split a smoothie. Like, yeah. we'll share That's one. That's what we do, too. Yeah. yeah. yeah I we'll add share a little one. bit extra milk or whatever mm-hmm. fluid is, and so then it makes right two really nice sizable portions. And I really have found that... With eating Daily Harvest and using the food from Green Chef, I am so much more satisfied. That is the thing that I, yeah. And I don't want to eat anymore because I'm full. Our bodies don't count calories. They count nutrients. You've probably heard me say that a million times, but it is really true. The higher the quality of the foods that I eat, the more satisfied I am. And it it's just blows me away. It's not because of like a diety reason. I'm not like, it's because I feel so good. Right. And yeah. I remember when I was in what? Well, some diet I was on, probably Weight Watchers, they said, you know, you need to always have your food prepared ahead of time, you know, because your body will be just as satisfied with a carrot as it will a candy bar. And it's like, yeah, no, it won't. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's not true. So <laughs> the carrots will satisfy you at some point. The candy bar never will because never. I'm going to keep eating more, you know, and it's going to set off that cycle. Yeah, I was just thinking how unsatisfying a candy bar would be, like like a Snickers bar. They used to sell that as like, you know, a really healthy snack, right? <laughs> Yeah, right. Because <laughs> it's got the nuts in there. It's going to be the protein or something. I don't know. But wow, that just opens the floodgates. It does. But so that's yeah. been another really great thing. My sleep is improved. I still need to work on my sleep hygiene. I'm just, I've been a six hour a night sleeper, sleeper for since my kids were born. And so it's very difficult for me to sleep longer than six hours. But it's interesting because I've noticed with my Fitbit that my resting heart rate is directly correlated to how much food I eat and when I eat it. Oh, I mean, absolutely. We try to eat dinner early around, you know, 536 o'clock gives me four hours before I go to bed. And if I've eaten well that day, you know, reasonable amounts, go to bed, not really full, then my resting heart rate will be sometimes even 10 points lower. So it's interesting to see how hard our bodies have to work. To, That's a very good point. To digest our food. I never realized that. And it's totally true for me. I don't know if that's across the board or not, but it's totally well, true. Well, no. It, I, we hear all the time from intermittent fasters that their resting heart rate is dramatically lower, like to the athlete level, right, just from right. the fasting. But, yeah. you know, think about all the digesting is just like, you know, you're driving a car with the, you know, the pedal to the metal all the time. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And timing has a lot to do with it for me. And the other, the last thing I, I, that I know I haven't mentioned that I really want people to know, and I'm speaking again to the younger generation here, you know, one of the, one of my regrets in my life is that I missed out on things with my children because I didn't want to be seen in a bathing suit or I didn't want to be seen in shorts and never, I wasn't, I was morbidly obese on a couple of occasions, but I just had such a negative body image and so much value attached to that that I just missed out on a lot. You know, the kids would say, well, mommy never went swimming. And I would say, oh, I just don't like to swim. That wasn't true. Yeah. I didn't want to be seen in a bathing suit. And, you know, I, I am it. not yeah. going to make that mistake with my grandkids. We just have such a high value in our culture, I think, on appearance. And it's just very sad because a lot, like a lot of your other people you've interviewed, my weight never really stopped me in my career or in most of the things that I, I ended up doing with my life and still doing with my life. But it was that thing that I could never, it was that thorn in my side. Yeah. It was, it was always that. in your mind. Yes. Yep. Always. That proverbial thing that I can't seem to master no matter what. And why can't I master that? And we always thought people were judging us based on our weight. And maybe some of them were, but really no one was judging us as harshly as we were judging ourselves. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I have a, spirituality is a very big part of my journey as well, which I haven't really mentioned. The longer fasting most times is related to, um, you know, spiritual practice. Of course, it does help my body and my, and my weight goals, but it enriches my experience having the spirituality attached to it. And so that's been a big part of, of my journey as well. Well, it's, it's, I think it's no accident that every major religion has fasting as, as a spiritual practice, right? It's not just because it's good for your body. It's good for your, your body, mind, soul. Right. Absolutely. And I'm Catholic. And so, you know, we, I, we fasted from meat since I was born, basically, yeah. uh, on Fridays. And, but still, I, I, I've been able to go places in my spiritual life because of the fasting component that I wasn't able to before. So there's just so many reasons why it's such a great thing. 
So many reasons. Well, we are almost out of time, I know, believe it I or not. It. I know. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Well, I think I've kind of already, you know, answered most of that. You know, it's never too late. Never, never too late. Never That's, too late yeah. to turn it never, around. Yeah. You know, you can do, you can make changes in your relationship with food, no matter what age you are. It's not a quick fix. And I think that was a hard thing for me because- it's huge like, though. Yeah, it is. But it's, you know, I just tell people, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, this is for the rest of my life. Okay, I might be 66 and maybe I'll get to my goal weight and maybe I won't, but it doesn't matter because this is just what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And hopefully my life will be extended because of the positive health benefits associated with it. You're doing the best thing you can possibly do for your body. So just do it. Just do it. I don't, struggle per se a lot because a lot of what my struggle was on other diets was restriction. Are there days I want to get up and eat donuts with my granddaughters like they were eating Saturday morning here? Well, of course. But then I think, oh, do I really want that? Eh, they were just store-bought yeah. donuts. They weren't good donuts. That That's something I love though. But just enjoy your family, enjoy your life, and try to not make this diet roller coaster and your relationship with food such a such a big thing in your life because I feel like I spent tons of money and tons of time and tons of energy trying to be a normal weight. And if I'd only known about intermittent fasting 40 years ago, I would have, you know, who knows what I would have done because I wouldn't have been spending that time and energy. All that and mental headspace. Oh, yeah. I'm really glad that I... I tuned into it and you know it was my 40s when right, I, when right. I found oh, it and I'm glad it was my 40s and not my 50s 60s yeah, 70s right, you know, I wish right. it had been my 30s but yeah, <laughs> or 20s exactly. but yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that well Nancy thank you so much for telling your story today I've really enjoyed well, talking to you thank you so much for having me I was just very excited about this I don't tell tons of people about fasting if they ask me I'll tell them but I just say it works for me I just believe that there's a lot of health benefits here, and that's why I do it, and it's helped me well, to be free. with your from nursing food. background, you definitely know. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.